Well, I hope you did have a, a good Thanksgiving holiday, and as it continues along the way, I know we, we had a good one, able to celebrate at a couple of different locations with the family, uh, eat way too much, and uh, part of our celebration is we got good news that we're going to have a new addition uh, to our, our family here in late June, and so we're fired up and excited about that, because I, I am one good papa. I want you to know I'm practiced now and ready to, to add to that trial there. So we are, we have much, much, much to be uh, thankful for. I know others uh, got similar news over this, uh, this holiday. And so we are, we are truly, truly blessed. I, I have always had kind of a contrarian view of uh, how this Thanksgiving weekend has evolved in our culture. And, and it, it kind of goes like this. I, I, I get frustrated that Thanksgiving doesn't even get a full weekend anymore, right? Uh, so much to the point, actually, Thanksgiving doesn't even get a full day to itself anymore, right? I mean, it's like, it's like six o'clock on Thanksgiving day. You got to be in the, uh, the stores. And I just uh, saw where there's some like record online sales already this, uh, this weekend, maybe five billion or some incredible uh, number. And it's kind of like, wow, can we really not even say thank you for a full 24 hours before we have to like re-engage in consumerism? It's like, like, is like fill ourselves with like gluttonous and then and then and then go kick into full consumer mode there and maybe we'll say thank you for a moment or two somewhere in between but uh, but I, I just kind of push back against that uh, a little bit and, and so that's one of the reasons why honestly we kind of set aside the Sunday after Thanksgiving and say we want to just kind of talk about being thankful then because it, it I think it deserves more than just a, a, a blip uh, on the screen uh, in our lives. And because we do have so, so much to be thankful for. And so I was thinking about Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving holiday, thinking about the fact that, that uh, last week we talked about the fact I've been here 20 years. Uh, I've had the privilege of serving 20 years here uh, as your pastor, and that's, that's just been such an, uh, an incredible journey, and trying to kind of process all those things and put it together. And I was drawn to the words of Paul as he wrote to some folks that he just so dearly loved and cared about in, in Philippi, and we went through this letter uh, earlier this fall. But I wanted just to go back and, and look at those first few verses because I, in many ways, Paul's words I, I echo and find just great identification with. And so I just want to read beginning in verse 3 and uh, just invite you certainly to follow along, and then I want to kind of build on that a little bit this morning. Paul wrote to the Philippians, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. 
And I just so identify with those words of Paul as I think about this incredible, incredible church family, for I really do thank my God in all of my remembrance uh, of you. And so I just wanted to take some time. It's going to be a really a different message uh, teaching time this morning. But what I wanted to do is just spend a few moments reflecting and giving thanks. And just because it's so much a part of our culture, I just said, well, what are, what are kind of the top ten? Top ten things I'm thankful for in the, the Fort Mill First Baptist family. And, you know, you, you, whenever you do that list, if you did it the next day, it would probably be a little bit different. But, but, but these are some core things that I am just so, so incredibly, incredibly thankful for in the life of this fellowship. And so I'm just going to run through them, and, and maybe it can help you to think about maybe points of celebration and identification along the way. I am just thankful uh, for your love for the Lord and for His Word. For the Lord and for His Word. Uh, A few years ago, we engaged an outside group that helped kind of do a survey uh, within the life of our our church, and hundreds of you participated in that that survey online and and kind of got the feedback results from that. And one of the things that stood out was that, that this fellowship has such a, such a, a strong uh, connection, a strong uh, relationship, reverence for, hunger for the Word of God. Uh, that, that there was just, the, the Bible is so central to, to who we are. It's central from our, our preschool halls to the children, to the students, to the adults, uh, to our Sunday morning worship gatherings, uh, on and on and on it goes. That, that you have a hunger. When we have uh, folks from outside our fellowship who come and, and teach uh, from this platform, uh, very often they'll, they'll remark, you, you can tell, you can tell, Jeff, that your people uh, are, are taught the Word of God and have a hunger for the Word of God, that it just, it, it shows. And, and you, you may not maybe realize this or even have an appreciation for this, but, but you can tell. You can tell when you're, you're teaching. You can tell when you're sharing with groups or individuals if there is a hunger for the Word of God among those people or not. And just, I'm just so, so incredibly thankful uh, that, that there is such a, such a love for God and for His Word in this place and that God has just raised up so many gifted uh, teachers uh, of that Word and in so many different ways and environments. And, and I know that's not, a, that's not true. It's not true in every church. It's not true across our landscape, and yet it's true of you. And I just say thank you. Thank you for your love for the Lord. Thank you for your love and hunger uh, for His Word. And out of that, I just see this, this incredible love uh, that you have for one another. An incredible love for one another. You know, the Bible, the New Testament is filled with all these one another passages. And, and, I, and I just see this incredible love uh, that you have. And it, it expresses itself in, in care and in so many ways. And I, I, I have seen over these years that this church family just come alongside people in so many different ways. Uh, Whether it's uh, meals or cleaning a house or yard work, whether it's uh, uh, taking the turns with kids, whether it's there's a need and I'm going to reach in my pocket and I'm going to meet that need and I don't want anybody else to know uh, that I met that need. Just use it to to meet it. On and on it goes. 
can't tell you the number of times I've heard people say how this church family stepped in at a time and came alongside them and helped to carry them along the way. No, I have experienced that personally. And I, I am just blown away, blown away by, by some of your, your giftedness. You have that capacity to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. And I have seen kids coming from some challenging situations being enveloped and loved and cared for. I have seen you go over and beyond in caring for one another. It is one of the reasons we're so passionate about you not just being in a row, but getting connected to a group of some sort. Because it's in there that you can experience levels of community, levels of love, levels of of compassion that you can't just sitting in rows in an environment like this. And so I am just, I am so thankful for the love that you have, not only for the Lord and His Word, but the love that you have for one another and the way that you tangibly express that love uh, so often in ways large and small along the way. I am so, so grateful for your passion for missions, for your passion for missions. And I don't know, know exactly when it happened in, the, in the, the life and the history of this church, but somewhere in the DNA of this church, there was a, a heartbeat for missions early on, and that was reflected in, in particularly cooperative program giving through a budget. That's kind of how Southern Baptists, we, we kind of partner together uh, for, for mission giving in that way. And this church has had a long, long, rich history of of excelling in that. But what I've seen over the, these past years has been just, just a huge leap and a huge jump in that. And I can remember several years ago now, we took uh, about 20 of us, about 20 of us went to, to Brazil. And Carl Cato was, was kind of writing point on that. And, and if you've been with Carl on a mission trip, you know you're going to flat out work, all right? You are going to flat out work. And, and this church, uh, as far as we could tell, hadn't had an international mission trip in at least a number of, of years. Uh, and so about 20 folks, 20 adults that went on that, that first international mission trip for many, many years. And God just used that. God just used that to, to open up the, the, the floodgates. And since that time, we've had uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of folks uh, go on mission trips. Every, every summer now, uh, we, we've got folks that are, that are going out, whether it's in connection with the Victory Sports or student ministries or adults or whatever it might be. And we have, we have folks going all over, all over the country, uh, literally all over the world. We've had folks that have spent uh, short-term assignments a couple of years or sometimes several several months uh, living internationally, investing their lives for the king and the kingdom. And, and you have created an environment where that, that's not only permissible, that's becoming increasingly normal. Uh, and that's just kind of part of who we are uh, along the way. And I'm just even looking out at some of these faces here. Greg and Bar, you all just got back from Nicaragua, right? Uh, a couple real recent ones. Todd's right here on the front. I, gosh, I don't know how many trips. 
trips and uh, Todd has been on with the student ministry and with other groups uh, along the way and on and on and on the list goes so just looking out at, at so many of these, these faces and you, you have been on the front lines of that. Uh, because of of how you have partnered in, in missions, even financially, we've been a, a part of of helping to to start and plant churches in Arizona and New York City and other places across the country, as well as the things that God's been using internationally along the way. Through uh, the, you, you have just had an increasing, increasing passion for missions. And listen, I know, I know that's not true everywhere. I know that there are churches sometimes that talk a lot about missions, and they promote some of their efforts, but when you get down to brass tacks about where the time and where the money actually goes, it's actually a very, very small part very often. But that's not true of this fellowship, that that you have, God has just birthed in you a passion for missions. And so just kind of part of our DNA is just that that sense of of across the street and around the world. It's not either or, but it's both and. and. And what a privilege it is. You all have opened up your homes as we've hosted missions conferences and we've had missionary families who have come and stayed and there's been those those bonds created and it's been those partnerships that have formed that have now continued over a number of years and we are just so, so incredibly, incredibly blessed by, by a passion for missions. You're giving over and above a budget tied through a faith commitment offering when we kind of changed up how we were giving. And some folks said, oh, it's going to like ruin it. And it actually ended up doubling and tripling uh, the amount that we were giving uh, to missions. And, and I'm just so incredibly thankful for your passions for missions. And along with that, I am thankful for your flexibility and adaptability. Your flexibility and adaptability that, that as we've just tried to continue to walk with God, uh, that there's been, uh, been tons of changes uh, through the years, tons of things that have, have shifted, and you, you, have, you have flexed with that, and you have been uh, adaptable uh, along the way. And I, I just uh, was reflecting, you know, uh, remember 20 years ago, I think there were two services and one Sunday school, and then we went to three services and two Sunday schools. And new space and two services and two Sunday schools and three and two and different Sunday schedules and Wednesday schedules and all of these things and ministries have run a life cycle and, and maybe don't, aren't on the radar and new ones have raised up and, and you, you have had a flexibility through that. And, and I, I know, I know that's not true of every church. I know, you know, there are some churches, it's like their motto is, we shall not be moved, right? And, and, and it's not their commitment to the Bible, it's their commitment to the way of doing things. And, and I am so, so incredibly thankful for your flexibility. Twenty-some years ago, when I was having conversations about the possibility of coming here, we were living in southern Indiana at the time, and We'd had phone conversations and some in-person conversations and kind of came to that point with the, the, the team that it was having those discussions with, just said, you know, we've had a lot of discussions. What's, what's the unasked question? What's the, the red flag or hesitation at this point? And talked through a couple of those things. And then they flipped the script. 
And they said to me, well, what's a, what's a hesitation, a red flag that you have about coming here? And I thought for a moment. And I said, honestly, the real hesitation I have in coming here is as a First Baptist church in a small southern community going to be willing to do what it takes to touch a community in a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or is it going to be so kind of caught up in its identity of this is the way we are and have been long history that it won't flex and it won't adapt? And that honestly was a huge struggle point in prayer for me. Is this the kind of church that would have flexibility and adaptability? And looking back 20 years later, I can say, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, God, for flexibility and adaptability. And it's not always been easy, and there's always bumps along the way. But you have had such an incredible spirit of flexibility and adaptability. And that's huge. That's huge. Because sometimes the older we get, sometimes we get a little more rigid. We get a little more set in our ways. We get a little more uh, sense of the, I like the way it is and don't change. The world around me is changing. I don't want this part of my world to change. And thank you. Thank you for flexing. I just think about uh, how many things are done differently now than they were even just a few years ago. And I'm just, I just thank you. Thank you for your flexibility. Thank you for your adaptability along the way. And with that, thank you. I thank God for unity in the midst of diversity. Unity in the midst of diversity. And as I, I think about this uh, fellowship, one other thing, again, sometimes you don't appreciate it when you're living in the middle of it. But sometimes when folks come from the outside and they have opportunity to interact with our church or, or to teach or whatever, a lot of times they'll say, wow, do you know how blessed you are? Do you know how incredible it is for you to have just the diversity of ages that you have in the life of your church? Because that's not true everywhere. I mean, you've got on one end thriving and what's going on with young families and preschoolers and children and students. And, and then you've got this thriving thing on the other end with senior adults. That is rare. That is rare. There are some of you who you were Baptist in your womb, right? I mean, you before, before you came out of your mother's womb, you were, you were Baptist, right? Some of you had never heard of Baptists before you interacted with this group. A lot of divergent backgrounds. Some grew up churched. Some grew up with no church background at all. Different parts of the country. Different accents. <laughs> different traditions. Different passions. And yet in the midst of that diversity, there's been a supernatural unity. It really has. And again, I don't take this for granted. I've just spent some time over the past couple of weeks just trying to pour into some pastors a little bit who are just walking through some really, really challenging times with their churches. And a lot of it is around this issue of unity in the midst of diversity. And, and it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. 
And please don't hear me. I'm not standing up here sugarcoating anything. I, I, that we have different perspectives at times, and that, that's okay, and that's appropriate, right? Not everybody sees things exactly the same way all the time. That's okay. I mean, that, that happens in a healthy marriage, right? That you have diversity, and yet there is that supernatural unity in the midst of diversity. And we are so blessed. And I am so, so thankful to be a part of a church that has diversity and yet has this incredible, incredible unity. And because of that, it's allowed us to take risks along the way. And I am so thankful for your willingness to risk in obedience to God's calling. And again, I, I think about all the, the changes that have, have taken place along the way and, and to, to take steps of, of, of faith and, and to risk. And, and not, not everyone works out perfectly. That's the, that's the nature of, of risk along the way. And, and sometimes I'm afraid churches are sometimes notoriously some of the most risk-averse organizations in the world, right? We like, we, we like the way we do it. We're comfortable with the way we do it. We want to keep doing it this way. And, and to be able to say, God, is there a better way? Uh, we're not going to negotiate on, uh, on our core beliefs or the centrality of the Word of God, but is there, is there a different way, a more culturally appropriate way to, to do what we've been doing along the way? And, and you, you, you take those steps and they don't always work out, you know. I, I really am so grateful to have that mentality. I, I call it the experiment mentality. I mean, you, you do your homework, you do your due diligence, you pray, you think, you talk, you discuss. But at some point you say, let's give it a whirl. Let's give it a whirl. And if it doesn't work out, you found out one way that doesn't work, right? And you keep moving forward, but to have some of those holy experiments along the way. And, and that's one of the things I'm just even praying for myself. I continually pray for this church. Lord, help us not to get kind of fat and satisfied, right? Help us not to get to a certain point and say, this is really good or we're comfortable. Help us not to lock in on our preferences. God, help us to be willing to take a risk to, to take a risk in obedience to you. In the first service, Debbie Wade was sitting over here, and her husband, Benny, was on staff with us here for so, so long, and many of you uh, knew Benny. And, and I can remember being on a, a staff retreat, and some of you will have no appreciation for this now because it, it seems so commonplace now, but at the time it wasn't commonplace. And, and when we were just praying and, and thinking, how, how do we do a better job of, of creating environments to, to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And, and this was a First Baptist church in the South, and you did Sunday morning, and you did a Sunday night service, and you did Wednesday night this, and all these things. And, and as we were just wrestling with them, praying, and we just, you know, what if we did away with a Sunday night service? And kind of went to some more focused classes and stuff. And I know for some that doesn't sound very radical now, but I guarantee you it was at the time. And I can remember literally on that tree, I mean, we were literally on the floor, on our faces, just praying. 
and seeking the Lord. And I remember Benny getting up from one of those times and saying, you know we could get fired over this, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But you take a risk. Just as an aside, we did that and we plugged in these 90-minute seminar things and there'll be another cycle starting in January. And, and uh, uh, one, of, uh, one of the guys who's not here anymore, but uh, I'll not mention name just to protect the guilty there, but, but uh, he, he, he came up to me and we kind of made that and he said, he said, well, if you're not going to be having a Sunday evening service anymore, do we get to cut your salary by a third? Uh, I said, come to a 90-minute class and see what you think, right? The funny thing is, we added a third Sunday morning service a couple years after that, and I went back to him. I said, now, we're adding a third service. Are we going to up my salary by a third? (laughs) He didn't bite. He didn't bite on that, right? So we just kind of left it where it was, right? But you have those things, right? And I am so grateful. I am so grateful, and I could tell you story after story after story. I am so thankful to be a part of a church that is willing to risk in obedience to God's calling. Is every idea a good idea? No. I've had lots of stupid ideas. Most of them don't see the light of day, thankfully, but I have lots of them. And some of you all have had some creative ideas too. You know, I, I read them sometimes in an email or on a connect card and I'm thinking, what, has their medication changed or something? I mean, what in the world, right? That's okay. That's okay. You know, you kind of, yeah, you work through it and the Lord leads along the way. And so part of just the prayer is, Lord, help us not to get risk averse. And some of you have heard me, you've been in, environments where I've even prayed at least prayers, but it's a prayer I keep coming back to. Lord, help us not to lag behind you in fear or run ahead of you in foolishness, but to walk with you in faith. And that, that is the desire of my heart. I don't want to run off in foolishness. I don't want to waste my life lagging behind in fear, but I, I hope that we will continue to walk with him in faith. I'm thankful for your wide variety of giftedness. This is an incredible church family. And I, as some of you, maybe you're just here for the first time, or you're checking it out. And, and listen, I know this isn't a perfect place because if it was perfect, I couldn't get to be the pastor for sure. But this, this is an incredible, incredible fellowship. I mean, I, I think of the, the, the diversity of, of gifts that, that God has just assembled in this place. I mean, I, I just, I'm just trying to look out and just uh, some of the faces here, and it's just, it's just like, wow, God, it's incredible. I mean, I, I just think about the music giftedness that we have. Uh, people that, that can hear things and lead things and see things and, and can sing, and I could only hope to ever aspire to that, right? I watch some of the creativity. I, I think about Bible school and some of these other environments. And sometimes I walk around and walk, look at the decorations. 
And it's like, I'm thinking, is it legal to do that with a paper plate? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just like, wow. I mean, I could have, I could have sat in a room for a hundred years and never imagined that you could do that and make it look like that and create an environment like that. And I think of some of you who are such gifted teachers and you break open God's word. And you impart it with passion and power. We have teachers. We have college professors. We have folks that harness those gifts. I think of some of you as I'm looking out at faces. And I'm thinking some of you, God has just gifted you and passioned you with a passion for preschoolers. And I mean, you actually enjoy Hanging out with four-year-olds. I, it blows my mind, right? I love my grandson one-on-one, right? When he says, can we wrestle? It's like, yes, right? I don't want to wrestle with a room full of them, though, right? And some of you, it's just like, this is what God made me for. Some of you, teenagers are on your heart. And you, you love hanging out with teenagers you love I'm seeing Nancy back there I've seen her heart just I want to invest in young women teenagers it's like thank you God thank you God for those kind of people thank you thank you for those who have a heart for shut-ins those who have such gifts of mercy and compassion. And I've, I've told some folks, I've said, listen, if I'm in the hospital, I want you to visit me and not me to me, visit me because you are like a thousand times better at it than I am. I mean, you have this great mercy and compassion gifts. And on and on and on it goes. I'm, I'm looking out at some of your faces and you have gifts of giving. You have gifts of giving. And you give of, and, and if I called you out, you'd be mad at me, but you, you give. You give of time in such incredible, unselfish ways. You give of financial resources in, in such abundance and in such quiet ways. And I'll just, I'll, just one example. We've got these angel trees out here, and, and our church family always does a great job of just pouring into those kids. But we, we have some folks that just their standing offer is any kid that doesn't get picked up, any present that doesn't get covered, I'll cover it. I'll cover it. And they do. And they do. And we're just so incredibly blessed. So incredibly blessed by such a wide variety of giftedness. And with that giftedness, I'm so thankful for your leadership. I am so, so thankful for your leadership. I, I think about so many ministries in the life of our church and, and, and the leaders that God has, has raised up uh, for those uh, through the years. And it's been what is so exciting to me. Our, our vision statement is to unleash, unleash this movement of Christ-centered, spirit-empowered world changers. And it, it is so exciting to see when God, God raises those up and, 
And again, I could go on and on and on, but I, I, I don't know sometimes if we even appreciate everything that's going on almost every week in this, in this, in this life of this fellowship. And I think about just, just how God raised up a few years ago so some women with a, with a passion for pouring into moms of preschoolers. That didn't come from a staff meeting or a staff planning retreat. That came because God raised up some leaders. And out of that is a mops ministry that has touched so many women and so many families through the years. And we got a waiting list, right? Because we can't continue to capacity. We've got to reach capacity of care. So blessed. I, I think of our English as a second language. God's just raised that up in the past few years. Just some leaders who had a heart passion for that. Heidi McGill and some others just like, God, we've got to do something. You're sending the world to us. And so we have people from this wide diversity of, of nations. Right? And God is using teaching English as a second language, as a platform for sharing the gospel with people who have come from all over the world. And that takes place every week. If you would frequent by here on a Tuesday morning, parking is at a premium because you've got that going on. You've got a, an incredible Mother's Morning Out ministry, and I'm so thankful for that, the leadership that God's raised up in there, and it's just taking it to whole new levels there. And there's, that's going on, and what's going on with the English as a second language, and on and on it goes. God's raised up leaders for Stephen ministry that's, that just has this vision for pouring in and coming alongside and walking alongside people who are, are going through a, a crisis, and, and God is just using that to touch lives. It's quiet. It's under the radar, uh, but, but, but it's, it's, it's making a difference because God raised up some leaders. I think of our marriage ministry, and several of you, Martin Pam, see you guys back there, and I know others and other services are invested in that, and, and we, we, God's just raised up some men and women who say, you know, we can come alongside families. We can come alongside a couple. And sometimes it's a 911 situation. Let's come in and, and try to kind of stop the bleeding. And sometimes it's just how can we make good marriages better? How can we help us go from even good to great? And it ties in so well with our, our value of Christ-centered families. And it's because God raised up people with passions and giftedness and leadership and on and on and on it goes i'm think larry ashworth sitting out here and larry's been our chair of our finance committee a couple different times and and larry is he's he is a delight to work with in that because he knows his stuff first of all right and 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 he just goes and he runs these efficient meetings and he can look at these sheets and he can say this 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 and this and him is just like wow this is so great and i'm so thankful for that giftedness i'm so thankful for that leadership and on and on it goes several of you have shared deacon chairs and other leadership and uh, oh gosh I, I could just go on and on and on 
children's ministry, student ministry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the incredible leadership that you have raised up in this place. Let me just mention one more. I am just thankful, and it ties in even with missions. I'm thankful as God's raised up in this place folks like a Greg Pendarvis in Victory Sports Outreach. And it came out of our first missions conference because we were willing to do something a little bit differently in obedience to God. And God used that first mission conference to birth a vision in Greg for Victory Sports. And there's no telling how many hundreds of children and hundreds of families have been impacted because of Victory Sports Outreach. And it all happened because God was at work in the midst of his people, willing to take a risk, willing to step out, willing to flex and adapt, willing to answer a call to lead in a brand new way. I'm thankful for your leadership, and I'm thankful for your giving. I'm thankful for your giving, and certainly the giving that we've talked about in so many ways of time and talent, but particularly here, I'm so thankful for your giving of the treasure. 1,500 plus shoe boxes. That's awesome. That is awesome to think that many children are going to be touched across the world. And, and I, I don't know if you, you maybe even remember the story, but, but God in, in just his, his sometimes great sense of humor. So this, this past year, I think it was, uh, that uh, some of our students were on a, a mission trip in India, and they ended up being in a community that had gotten shoeboxes from First Baptist Church of Fort Mill. Didn't know it at the time, but here is this incredible connection of shoeboxes that some of you packed and filled and sent, and then we happen to bump in to some of those folks when one of our teams ends up being in that area. And just thank you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you. Many of you have been so faithful, and it's been, it's been fun to see some of you through the years. This has been an area where you say, I didn't naturally trust God in this area of my life. It was hard. But I kept hearing, if you put God first, that God brings these other things into alignment and order. And finally, I said, I'll take a chance. Maybe I went to a a crown class or a financial peace university class. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to put you first. I can't believe what God has done in our life, how God has met every single one of our needs and blessed us so. And some of you have been giving a tithe, some of you well beyond the tithe for many, many, many years. Some of you have just said, if there's a need, let me know. Occasionally folks have said, here's some resources. Put them to kingdom work, wherever the need is. We are so incredibly blessed with a family that gives and gives so generously out of just the the abundance of what God's doing in their heart. Well, let me just give one more, and it's last in the list, but it's certainly not last in priority at all. But I am so, so thankful for your prayers. I am so incredibly blessed to be a part of a praying fellowship. And that goes in so many directions. Just left a room a little bit ago where 
Prayer partners are praying during this service. They're praying for you, for everything that takes place. I get to huddle 6.30 on Wednesday morning with a small group of guys. Some of them are in the room right now. And we get together, and Bob Emery always picks out the psalm we're going to pray for him. And, and we get to pray and cry out to God together. We come together on a monthly basis. But even on a more personal level, I know that I have been prayed for so much over 20 years and have needed it so much. And even as we gather as a staff and we have us connect cards and if there's prayer requests, we're, we're praying over and through those. And one of the things I regularly try to remind the groups I'm praying with is, you know, as we're praying for some of these folks today, some of these people have already prayed for us by name. They've already prayed for us this morning. And I am so thankful for the sustaining grace that God has brought into my life through your prayers. I thank you. Some of you know part of my story. I thank you that when I was walking through the journey with Wendy and her pancreatic cancer that eventually took her home. I sometimes look back and think, how in the heck did I get through those days? And I know. It was because of the prayers of God's people. And it was carried through that. And God in his grace brought another woman into my life, Susan. And one sure what to do with that. We joked about a rollout strategy, you know, how do you communicate that? And and ended up as kind of shared with some close friends and asked them to pray pray. Don't know what the heck's going on with this. But pray. And I know they did. And then to the Christmas gathering for our senior adults. I know many of them were just prayer warriors. And that was kind of the first public gathering. Uh, I introduced Susan, and I just said, I, we don't know. You know. We're both widowed. God's brought our paths across each other. We don't know where this is going to go. But you all have prayed for me for so many years. And I'm going to ask you to pray for us. And that God would guide that. And you have been faithful to pray for us through that all. And been married and in God's sovereignty, he's brought a cancer into Susan's life. And gets ready to start chemo on Thursday. And I know Susan's already said, you can tell people are praying, can't you? You can tell that people are praying for us. And I'll just share this with you. I don't think I've shared this in this setting before. I didn't even do it in the first service. But just 
to say thank you for your prayers and just how God works through that. But when that news kind of, we kind of got that news about her cancer and stuff and I was having one of those conversations with God. Did you have those conversations at times when I was, I was just informing God of his horrible job of running the universe. You know, I just basically said, are you kidding me? I mean, those were literally the words. Are you kidding me, God? Again, are you kidding me? And God is so merciful. (laughs) And I'm so glad he's patient. And he just, you know, sometimes God speaks to you in a voice that's louder than audible. And I remember being in the car. And he just plopped that thought right into the middle of my complaining. He said, I have entrusted another one of my daughters for you to take care of. Okay. <laughs> We're good. I'll do the best I can in the strength that you provide. So I just thank you for your prayers. Because I know I have been so, so blessed by them. And so as kind of tie this up, because I could probably list a ten more real easily. But as I try to tie this together, I'm going to ask you to pray with me in a specific way. I talked just a little bit about it at the end of services last week. But one of the things I've sensed God stirring in my heart, and I just want to ask you to pray around it. This is a church with such a long and a rich history. It'll be 150 years, I think, in 2020. That's a long time. (laughs) Rich history, great ministry. But here's the prayer. I've just been praying, God, would you show us how to walk with you so that the next decade is the greatest decade in the history of this church fellowship? And I don't know everything that that means. I'm sure it means more risk and more flexing and adaptability and all those things are givens. But I know it will mean more lives being transformed more sending, more going, more marriages being healed, more children and students having their lives shaped by the Word of God instead of the world. I know part of the picture is to have people all over the world that trace part of their journey to Fort Mill First Baptist Church, that this is that aircraft carrier that launches unleashes a movement of Christ-centered, spirit-empowered world changers. And so I'm just going to ask you, as I say thank you for your prayers, would you join me in praying, God, teach us how to walk with you in such a way that this next decade could be the greatest decade in the long and the rich history of Fort Mill First Baptist Church. I thank God for you, upon every remembrance of you. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of this family. Thank you for the privilege of serving as your pastor. And this is not a perfect church. If you're here checking it out, don't hear that today. It's not. 
made up of imperfect people, and this is the first one in line. But it's a place where God is at work. And I would affirm it to you as a place where maybe God would have you to join him in what he wants to do in your life and through your life in the lives of other people. And so I want to close with an assignment for you. And your assignment is to take time this week to express your gratitude to God and at least one other person. To take time in the midst of everything else that is the holidays and to express your gratitude to God and to at least one other person. William Arthur Ward said, feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. And sometimes we feel gratitude, but we don't express it. Don't wrap the present and not give it. This week, spend some extra time saying, thank you, God. And then let God raise up one person in your mind that you can say, I'm going to be very specific to express gratitude to them this week. Let's bow our heads as we pray, please. Father, thank you for the abundance of your blessings. We, we have so much. We have so much in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for the, the wonder of this fellowship. Father, for your grace upon it, for your mercy, for your love that permeates it, for just the incredible group that you have brought together to be a part of the body of Christ in this place. And Father, I just, just ask that you would truly have your way in each and every one of our lives. And Father, I just, just ask right now as we just take just a couple minutes to sit before you in stillness, Lord, would you help us to spend these next few moments just saying, thank you, Lord. And I'm just going to ask you right now just to be still. And on your note-taking guide, there's a box that invites you to kind of fulfill your assignment.